So that whole idea of, of expecting people to know what to do, they don't. They need, mm-hmm. they need, especially in crisis, they need to have something in front of them that says, this is what I do. Hi, everybody. I'm Jay Croft, and welcome to the Optimal Aging Podcast, where we discuss the business of exercise, healthy living, and well-being for people 50 and over. Each week, we explore what healthy living means for millions of people over age 50 and what's coming next with a focus on communications, content, and making powerful connections. After a year of the COVID-19 pandemic, it's hard to remember what it was like before everything started, right? Before the crisis hit and disrupted everything. Before owners of all sizes and kinds of businesses had to figure out fast what to do and how to communicate about it. Everyone made mistakes, of course, but some businesses did better than others at communications during the initial stages. And those were companies that had a crisis communications plan in place beforehand, even if it couldn't have possibly predicted exactly what occurred. Now, COVID-19 might be a crisis for the ages, but it's not the only difficult situation your business is going to face. The more common crises that hit small businesses don't involve everyone on the planet. They might involve just your business, or they might primarily pose a threat or problem for your business. Think about it. You could have a security breach. Something embarrassing could go viral on social media. Someone could commit violence on or near your property. A storm could knock out power. On and on. We can't predict the details of a crisis, but we can get ready for them as best as possible. And a huge part of that involves planning our communications ahead of time for when something unexpected and scary happens. That's why I invited Cindy Miller onto the podcast today. Cindy's a good friend of mine for many years and a former colleague at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution newspaper, where we spent many years covering all kinds of difficult, complicated events from a different point of view. For a dozen years now, Cindy has owned Cindy Miller Communications in Marietta, Georgia, just north of Atlanta. The firm helps companies with strategic positioning, content creation, internal communications, and more. And as its website says, even the best companies are vulnerable to a public relations crisis, and a crisis never happens on a convenient schedule. Smart companies are prepared with a communications plan that swings into action the moment a crisis breaks. Now, that includes you and your business. This is universal stuff here. And if COVID-19 taught us anything, it's that anything can happen. Just like you have insurance and other contingencies, you need to have a communications roadmap to follow for when something big and ugly happens, as it inevitably will. Even if it's not as big and ugly as, you know, COVID-19. Here's my conversation with Cindy. Cindy Miller, thank you so much for joining me today. It's so good to have you here. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. It's a, it's a great topic, and I love to talk about it. And you're an expert at it, and I'm really delighted that you're giving me this opportunity to share your insight with listeners. You know, you and I have known each other for a long time. 
uh, we worked together way back when at the newspaper. Your your agency is doing great work, and you've been kind enough to include me in some of it. And and now this. So above and beyond, my friend. Thank you very much. Absolutely, Jay. Okay, so. I want to talk with the folks today about crisis communications, and that's something that you and I as professional communicators are familiar with, and we talk about it a lot, but I think that most small business owners in fitness or in any industry probably don't think about it much, and so I want to raise the topic with them and and talk a little bit about what that means when we say crisis communications, explain to them a little bit about why they need to have a plan in place. Mm-hmm and then uh, give them a little advice on how they can can go about crafting that plan. So let's talk a little bit, Cindy, you know, this is something that you've been dealing with for years. And yet, I think until about a year ago, or let's go ahead and say until exactly a year ago, exactly, most of us hadn't really thought about it. So a year ago, everything happened. I mean, think about about it. A year ago, Okay, we do crisis communications and we see a lot of it and we've been doing it. Our company is in our 12th year right now and we nobody could predict what the last year was going to be like. I mean, I was looking through some materials that we had thinking about, okay, I'm going to talk about this. I'm going to help Jay with this. And I mean, literally a year ago, it, well, it was March 5th and I wrote this memo to our team and asked all of these questions, questions that seemed almost a little ridiculous at the time, like, what if schools close? What if we can't get to the office? What if we, one of us has to quarantine? What, you know, what will we do? And the whole idea of looking out at the time, it felt really like a long time. I said, let's look at 90 days and let's look at all the personal and professional commitments we have and let's have backup plans for those. And a year later, you know, I mean, literally a week after that, it seemed extreme, but a week mm-hmm. after that, we were at home, the office was closed, schools were closed, and we were learning about this thing called Zoom. Mm-hmm. But there are things that a crisis plan that we're going to talk about, there are things that you put in place that help you be more prepared when something so unexpected like that works and it hits you and it does work. And we found that with us and we found it with some of our clients who had um, crisis plans already in the books. Yeah, and I think that that's the the point here is not that we should get ready in case another pandemic happens, mm-hmm. or we should get ready in case another global catastrophe of some kind happens. Right. That's really not what's more likely to happen. What's more likely to happen are some of these other kind of things that we're going to talk about that you have dealt with, that I've dealt with in my communications career, where, you know, someone dies or a random act of violence occurs or a natural disaster occurs. These are things that could happen to anyone listening to this. And uh, they don't approach, it doesn't have to approach the level level of, of global news in order for it to be important to you and your business and your brand and your customers and your employees. Right. Absolutely. Okay. Think about the ones that you, that you hear about a lot. Like think about Peloton. Peloton bike and the um, the ad they rolled out um, Christmas know, before the, last, yeah, yeah, yeah COVID right decades ago, yeah. Christmas yeah, or, before <laughs> Christmas exactly. before COVID, a hundred years ago, yeah, and they got they got so much backlash about the ad, and you your your listeners can find it on YouTube; it's still sure. out there, but it um you know it basically 
the impact of that, one, it's huge. It's national news. It's all over social media. Everybody's reading about it. But it had like a 1.5, let's pull some numbers together, about a $1.5 billion loss in market value. Mm. That one bad ad. And the, and the backlash that came with that. And so, you know, you hear about those, but then bring it back to our kind of businesses. And then you were at a Blue Ridge, North Carolina CrossFit company, Jim, mm-hmm. and the owner, the idea that it would be really funny and clever to take photos of the backside of women bent over in his own gym mm-hmm. exercising. And he posted them in an Instagram story. And I mean, you can just imagine the backlash. Mm -hmm. And it was, it made national news. Um, He came out pretty belligerent about it. And, you know, rule 101, fess up. When you're Mm -hmm. wrong, you're wrong. And, um, but the other, an interesting piece of this is the ripple effect of that's one Blue Ridge CrossFit gym Mm -hmm. and one owner who made a bad move. Mm -hmm. But then nearby Asheville CrossFit CrossFit, um, gym owners had to, got caught up in it and also had to come together and respond to all this negative publicity because Mm -hmm. it was putting a stain on the name CrossFit, particularly Mm -hmm. in that greater market right there. So the ripple effect, I mean, there's never just one bad thing. There's often just a ripple effect for an industry or nearby companies or others that, um, that just get, um, splashed in the face with a bad yeah. piece of news yeah. So that's a couple of other crises. What are some more crises or common crises that can occur that can, can cause trouble for a small business? Um, probably the most common one would be what we call a rogue employee. Mm-hmm. So this is when you can't predict something bad is going to happen and you've got all of your hiring practices. We um, had a had a company and it was a Metro Atlanta company that had an employee, a key employee arrested for something really bad. And mm. in that wave, you know, they had they got the bad publicity, they got, you know, they got named, they got all of these things. And they they documented a 25% decrease in revenue in 30 days after they hit the news. Mm-hmm. So um, rogue employees, and, and it's easy to say, Oh, well, I can't do anything about that. But you really can be prepared for that. And there mm-hmm. are things that you can do that, um, that with just about everybody we work with, we introduce the idea of let's do a rogue employee scenario. Mm-hmm. And because a crisis plan really is identifying what are the scenarios that are going to be most damaging to my brand, to Mm -hmm. my company, what's going to hurt the most. Um, And sometimes you can come up with five or six and you say, okay, let's prioritize those. What are the top three that are going to do the most damage? It's that kind of crossover of could happen and devastating. You know, where do the, what's that intersection? And so a pandemic, no one's going to put that high on their, in their top three. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but there are pieces of your crisis plan that would have helped you through or will help you through other ones, even if it's not that exact scenario that you're working on. And so it's basically a crisis plan starts with identifying those scenarios and then creating the plan that if that happens, here's what we're going to do. And then it's creating all the materials that support that plan. 
Okay. So for example, with a rogue employee, you might put, you might have something really ready to go about your values and how that's unacceptable. And here is our interview process and what we do to try to avoid that happening. Right. Right. Not foolproof, foolproof, but better than saying, well, I, I couldn't, I don't know what happened. Right. Exactly. Okay. So the rogue employee, that's a good one. Uh, what else? You said a crisis that threatens your business. Can a crisis be something that is just a bummer or inconvenient or unexpected? Or are we really talking about things that, that could, that could really hurt your brand? Um, like is a, as a hurricane, a, a crisis, if there's a, if a hurricane hits my town and, and my customers can't reach my gym because the bridge is out, Mm-hmm. Or electricity's not out, and we don't know when electricity's going to be back. Is that a crisis, or is that just kind of a drag? Um, I put that in the category of crisis because okay, what, what what the reason I do that is because you need a plan on how to respond to that. You need to know who you need to communicate and what you need to say to them, and how you're going to communicate to them. So, for example, if a um, if a hurricane comes through and um, and your gym is closed, it floods your gym and your gym is closed for 10 days, how do you proactively say, here's what we're doing? So that one, you're not answering 600 phone calls, all who want the same information. Mm-hmm. You are proactively pushing out. Here's what, here's what happened. Here's what we're doing. Here's how we're going to communicate with you. Mm-hmm. Because when there's not commu- when people don't communicate, there's a void. And what, and when there's a void, people fill it with what they want. So, mm-hmm. You know, it could be that gym owner doesn't even care about us. And I'm not giving him my $48 a month because mm-hmm. he, he didn't even tell me what's going on. What, what about the death of a, of a leader? And I'm going to, after your answer, I'm going to tell you why I'm bringing this up because it's, it's a good story that illustrates these points. But, you know, if the, okay. the CEO of your company dies or if uh, the, the manager of your, your gym dies, um, mm-hmm. You know, that could, that could rise to the the level. Yeah. One of the basic questions is how do we say what happened as opposed to letting other people say what happened? Mm -hmm. And we did do um, a, a crisis plan for um, a high profile nonprofit. And with that high profile nonprofit, it has a, it has a person who is very much identified with that. And so if that person died, got sick, mm-hmm. couldn't, um, couldn't lead it. Um, that nonprofit needed to communicate stability. Mm-hmm. We're stable no matter what happens to Mr. X. Mm-hmm. And so what was happening is Mr. X, they were approaching an 80th birthday party. Mm-hmm. So what if Mr. X died right before the 80th birthday party? What if he was sick and couldn't come? You know, do you want your, and these are big donors. Do you want your big donors thinking, well, if that person's away from the top, then that there's no, that, that nonprofit doesn't matter. Right. And so we created a plan, everything from um, what photos to use on social media to what posts to do and when to who are the stakeholders that need to know and what order do they need to know mm-hmm. and what do they need to know? So that if that worst thing happened and it was, two weeks before the 80th birthday party that this, 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 and this was going to happen. And here's what we were going to tell people. And we were going to communicate a key message of stability. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 
and that's important whether that person is well known or not, whether the donors are high ticket donors, whether it's just your community gym. It's the same principles apply. There's going to be questions out there among your stakeholders who include your employees, who include your neighbors, who include your paying customers, and they need to know information directly from you. Is that the core of what we're talking about? Exactly. Exactly. So what's your story? Oh, okay. Well, okay. So as I mentioned in the intro before Cindy and I started talking, Cindy and I used to work together at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution and the AJC, as it's called, and the AJC, along with every other newspaper in the country, had a practice of preparing obituaries of prominent people in advance of their death. And to normal people, non-news people, that sounds kind of morbid and gross. Mm -hmm. But to us, it's just proper management. You know, you know that the former presidents are all going to die, for instance, and you know that the you know, Academy Award winning filmmaker is going to die and all of these things. And when they do, if it happens on deadline and you don't have anything ready, then you're not going to responsibly do your job and inform your readers about what happened. So we would always have obituaries ready of, say, the previous presidents, the previous governors, mm -hmm. right, other prominent people in the community. So I went to interview for a job at a non-newspaper few years ago and at a company, a private company was owned by some famous people and uh, interviewing for the job. And I said to the person who was interviewing me, okay, so what's the plan for when the owner dies? <laughs> and she looked at me like I was suggesting we go take care of that right now. <laughs> now, you know, from our background in news, there, well, that wasn't ghoulish. Right. That wasn't inappropriate. That was just, I was expecting the woman to say, oh, yeah, here's the file we have ready for that. Or here's the, you know, here's the, the paper trail we've got. So that if that happens at Sunday at 10 p.m. and we're all on vacation or nobody's in the office, whatever, anybody who's on the team will be able to handle the media calls because these were well-known people. When they died, it would be a news story. And then she looked at me like she was just horrified. So I, I, I kind of, I think that's kind of a funny story, but it also raises a really good point. There's nothing wrong with anticipating that bad things will happen because guess what? Bad things will, will happen. They will. Well, and it's interesting. Okay. The whole point about newspapers and how we media, how we as members of the media um, had those bios, mm -hmm. those obituaries written in this nonprofit that I was just talking about. Um, the New York times has that person's bio written. I guarantee you. So part of our job with them was to think through who are the stakeholders and what do they need? Mm. And in this particular case, the, you know, this nonprofit was based in a state. And so that state's local, um, a state that was not New York and that state, it, this person needed an obit relevant to the hometown media mm -hmm. and the hometown readers. So it was like we were, you know, New York Times, they got it. They'll take care of it. But we wanted to have one and we wrote one. We wrote the bio that was very relevant to the um, to the location where the nonprofit was located. Mm -hmm. Yeah. OK. I, I, I think it's uh, part of it is just because, you know, you and I came up in newspapers and we have a we newspaper people, former newspaper people have a you know, perhaps a particular way of looking at things, but it's really helpful in this case because no matter what you do, no matter how much 
you hope that good th- only good things happen, something bad will happen. And it does not have to be a global catastrophe. And I keep coming back to that. Right. I've got, a, I've got right. a gym. I operate my gym. No one famous operates my gym. I'm not a famous person. If I die, no one will care, et cetera, et cetera. Something's going to happen. You could have a rogue employee. You could have a natural disaster. You could have the power go out for three days, or you could have the weather that we've just has seen in Texas. You, know, you could have a data breach. I mean, there is a um, Verizon did a study that showed that 43% of all data breaches are against or target small businesses what's happening they're gonna they're gonna make things up and they're yeah. gonna make things up that you don't want them to make up you've got to control your own story you've got to tell your own story that's true day in and day out let alone right. when something happens like right after again a year ago you know I, I like coming back to that idea that you had right away that this was a year ago right now a year ago happened. right now you know the um the a lot of my customers who are gym owners and studio owners and trainers asked me if they should stop talking to their customers because it was such a horrible, stressful time. And would it be inappropriate or unethical even if they continued to market themselves? And I kept, I had to, to ensure people, assure people that not only would it not be inappropriate, it was essential that they have to keep telling people, you know, are you, are they open? What are their hours? If they can't, if customers can't come to the gym, how can the gym provide services? Well, we can do it online or we can come to your house or we can teach it in the parking lot or whatever. I don't know. When your gym's open, what are your safety protocols? How how are you making me feel good about coming back? That's right. That's Mm -hmm. right. So it's not only okay to keep communicating. It's really crucial to keep communicating. And that's, I, agree. I guess that's what we're talking about is because when it hits the fan is not the time to be answering these questions. Well, at that, that heat of the flame, I mean, when you're in the heat of the flame, it's just about surviving. And if you have a plan that anticipates, okay, if I'm in this flame, here's what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. And um, it just keeps you from, I mean, I like to say that when, when you, when you get the call from the company that is truly in the heat of the flame, sometimes you get like, it's a really generous 30 minutes to create a plan. And you're only as good as what you know and what you can do. Whereas if you have, we have one client that um, every year updates their crisis briefing book. We created a, a crisis plan for this company six, seven years ago to help the CEO sleep better at night, basically. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and to be honest, it's a plan he hoped to never use. And the the CFO of that company was um, not a believer at the time. He was like, really, we're going to spend this money Mm -hmm. on a crisis plan. And that's not going to happen. And after we put the plan together, that CFO is one of our biggest fans because he gets the protection that that plan brings to them. And they update it every year and every year we go through it and we say, okay, if this happens, you know, or or did this happen? And, and, and then we've added different scenarios. We've tweaked different things. We've created different, it's, I mean, seven years ago, social media response wasn't nearly as important as it is now. And so Mm -hmm. now it has a whole different social media component to it. But the idea of um, having that baseline and having that plan ready to go, I mean, for their company, they do something that has, um, it, 
it's not dangerous, but it could be perceived as dangerous and it could be communicated or misinterpreted as dangerous. And mm-hmm. so one of the, one of the materials they have is here's every single ingredient in that. And it is not dangerous. And that is ready to hand over to media at that moment. And okay. that's not something you want to do when, when the trucks are in the media trucks are in the, in the parking lot. Right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So as we've learned from the last year, this really, this is real, this can happen. This probably will happen and you need to be ready for it. And, and let's assume now that we've established that case, we have we've proven that point. So uh, if people want to then take some action today to start working on their crisis communications plan, what can we advise them to do? Well, one thing I really want people to think about, mm. even before we do that, if it's okay, okay. yeah, of course, is the, the mistakes that people make. Ah. Because the mistakes that people make when they think about a crisis plan, one is thinking that, oh, it won't happen to me. Mm-hmm. And it will. Something mm-hmm. will happen. It's just what happens. And then you assume that um, one mistake is, is assuming it won't happen to you and not having a plan. A second one is assuming that people know what to do and that everybody either thinks like you or knows what you know and will will do all the right things. We worked with a regional restaurant group and they had a horrific crime at one of their locations. It had nothing to do with the location or mm-hmm. nothing to do with the restaurant chain. It just happened to happen there. Mm-hmm. And it was one of the first things. So there were like 35 different locations. And one of the first things we did was get every general manager prepared so that if media came to their restaurant to ask questions about this that happened in this state over mm-hmm. here, they knew what to do. So you can't assume that because it happened in this state, that this state's not going to have any ripple effects. So that whole idea of, of expecting people to know what to do, they don't. They need, mm-hmm. they need, especially in crisis, they need to have something in front of them that says, this is what I do. Um, another one is underestimating the, the power of and the importance of internal communication. So sometimes people think about crisis, about what am I going to tell the media but they forget, what am I going to tell the employees? What am I going to tell the board? What am I going to tell their families? And so to have that um, plan and to really think through who are all the stakeholders that I need to communicate, because it's a longer list than you think it is. And then the, the idea of, I, I went to this um, crisis communication conference a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And the keynote speaker was from, um, was related to Sandy Hook. Mm-hmm. And it was, oh, Jay, it was so heart wrenching to listen to this man talk about that day at Sandy yeah. Hook and to talk about what he learned from that. And um, he was blessed. His, his wife was a teacher and she survived. He, I mean, they were not in that the most horrible scenario of Sandy Hook that, um, but his, he came away from it thinking that every single company needs a shooter response plan. Mm-hmm. And I remember sitting there, I mean, this was four or five years ago. I remember thinking, mm-hmm. Ooh, that's creepy. No, no, no. And, and a shooter response, it's a, it's an extreme version of a rogue employee, but then literally within two years after hearing that 
um, a FedEx right here in our town. Mm-hmm. Guy comes in, shoots six people, kills six people. And it's just a FedEx. It's mm-hmm. just a FedEx. So I'm really not saying that everybody needs a rogue employee. I mean, a, um, a shooter plan, mm-hmm. but the, the world's, the world's weird. Yeah. Yeah. And, and having, having some kind of plan and really acknowledging the idea that crazy things can happen regardless. I mean, it's like COVID-19. It doesn't care who you are. It's either right. coming or it's not, you know, you either, I, I heard a, an expert talk about how COVID-19 does not come find you. You have to go out there and run into mm-hmm. it. And, um, and so, and it's, and it's indiscriminate once you're in that same environment. Right. And, Crisis too. Crisis doesn't care if you're prepared. Crisis doesn't care if you don't want it to happen. Well, that that raises raises a couple of points I wanted to ask you about. One is the stakeholders, and one is the is do I need to have a um, do I need to have a crisis a separate plan for various types of crises? I'm a small business. Can I just get away with one crisis plan? I, I'm busy. You know, what do I need to do here to be responsible, but not to to anticipate? multiple scenarios like what's the what's the what's the responsible middle ground there not all crises are the same right so there's not like here's a cookie cutter idea on how you can handle it but there are things you can do that are can prepare you for any different fork in the road and one is having a crisis team i mean if you if you know who your first four phone calls are that's huge you know, so, so that you're not, if you sit there and you go, okay, when this, when something bad happens, not even something specific, but something bad mm. happens, these are the, these are the first four, these are the four people that are going to the war room with me. Mm-hmm. And even if the war room is a Zoom room or a conference call, these are the four people I got to get on the phone and we got to figure it out. Mm-hmm. So just identifying those four people or five people or six people that are going to help you think this through mm-hmm. in, in when something bad happens. So that's just one big step that everybody can take. And then the other would be, you know, if, if you don't have or want to take the time, we're all busy to identify several different scenarios that could threaten you. What's the, what's one, mm. what's one and get going. And then, so just knowing that, you know, this is flooded before I'm going to have a flood plan mm-hmm. because just having a flood plan makes you identify who your crisis team is, what your first steps are. I mean, just doing that one and you can say, whoa, it wasn't a flood this time. It was, it was a guy died of a heart attack and the media showed up because mm-hmm. who knew he was the mayor or whatever. And, and then, but just having that idea, you know, it'll get you four steps ahead of, of anybody who doesn't have a plan at all. Okay. And the other thing we want, we think every company should do, even, in, even when you don't have time, you ought to take the time to create what I do in the first 10 minutes, the first hour, the first half day, the first day, you know, what so that those steps are spelled out for you. Cindy, right. your your uh, company, Cindy Midler Communications, has a really great resource I want to tell people about. It's an ebook they can get for free. They don't even have to give their email address. You're not trying right. to get no anything out of it. No barrier. It's really a, a handy, useful tool that can take them through what they need to do. It's called Communicating in a Crisis. Tell us about that. 
we wanted to put together, and we did put together, basically a step-by-step guide on how to create your communicate crisis communications plan. Because mm-hmm. if you if you download it, and honestly, no barrier to entry, you just get to download it. But if you download it, you can see in there. Here's what I need to do. Here's what I need to do to get me to get myself and my company started. And of course, if you need help, we are happy to help. But we wanted to create something that didn't require us. Yeah. Absolutely. Tell us where they can go to get that. All right. So sorry that it's so long, but Cindy Miller Communications with an S dot com. So C-I-N-D-Y Miller Communications dot com. Gotcha. Cindy Miller Communications dot com. Very cleverly named, huh? (laughs) Indeed. Well, Cindy Miller, thank you so much for your time and insight. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you, Jay. Now it's time for three things I like this week. Number one, Erica Rischko, a German grandmother who has become an international media sensation after posting exercise videos on Instagram and TikTok. I always love sharing any example of an older person who's shattering stereotypes, and Erica is one self-described fitness junkie who is doing that left and right. She didn't even start exercising until her 50s after her kids left the house, and she's not suggesting that anyone else follow her intense example. Instead, she says, start slowly and choose exercise that you enjoy so you're likely to stick to it. Of course, that's really great advice. I will include links to her social media accounts in the show notes. Number two, the annual Club Industry Fitness Trends report is out. And as always, it's packed with tons of information and perspective that will be interesting to anyone in fitness, well-being, and healthcare. After the difficult last year, we were all wondering What's likely to remain important in the coming months? Topics like hybrid models, digital offerings, outdoor exercise, and lots more are all discussed in this report by a lot of pros and experts. You can download your free copy at clubindustry.com. Number three, the nitrile touch glove for anyone who likes to work in the garden. Springtime is almost here, and millions of older people love to garden. More to the point for anyone in the fitness industry, you should know that gardening is hard work physically, and you can help people get in shape for it at the gym. If you think it's not hard work, just give it a try for a few minutes. You will quickly see what I mean. And talking about it in your marketing can be a really effective tool for slightly older people who might not respond to traditional reasons to join a gym. Now, these gloves are just $8 at GardenersEdge.com. They're available in neon colors that are hard to lose, and they offer protection from cuts and dirt while keeping fingers free and sensitive to the touch so the gardener can distinguish good plants from weeds. Okay, that's it for this week. Next week, I am excited to welcome Dr. Evan Osar, a chiropractor, speaker, author, and expert on assessment, corrective exercise, and functional movement. 
Evan is the Director of Education at the Institute of Integrative Health and Fitness Education, and a great guy. I'm sure you will enjoy our conversation. Until then, have a great week. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Optimal Aging Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Croft, and I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, I hope you'll subscribe, tell a friend, and write a review. All of that helps us grow our audience. I also hope you'll share any comments you have with me in an email or on social media, including suggestions for people I should interview or topics I should cover. You can learn more about me and my content business at primefitcontent.com. You can send me an email at j at primefitcontent.com. That's J-J-A-Y at primefitcontent.com. I'm also on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. So find me anywhere you like and be in touch. And again, thanks for listening. Join us next time.